Well, last weekend we started a two-part series on conflict. And we saw that because we live in a fallen world, a world where sin is, a world that has sin in it because of Adam and Eve's fall into sin, that conflict is going to happen. And when it does, we don't need to look to our unsaved co-workers or to just do what's naturally. We need to look to the Word of God to know how to handle it. And we saw last week that that means that you go to the person, you initiate conversation over it, the person that you have the offense with, that you go directly to that person just between the two of you, and that the goal is always reconciliation. It's not to get it off your chest. It's not to prove who's right. It's to seek and find unity together. And we also talked about six keys from God's Word that we can use when we're in conflict, used to help us deal with conflict God's way. The keys of commitment, and communication, respect, and humility, and hard work, and prayer. And that if we'll use those keys, we can handle conflict God's way. If you haven't done so already, inside your worship folder is the message notes. You may want to pull those out in the first verse that's listed at the very top there is Psalm 133.1. It says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. You might want to circle that word unity. Because you see, God is big on unity. And unity isn't the absence of conflict. Instead, it's doing the work to resolve conflict when it happens. It's being people who fight the battles to have harmony with each other. It's being people who value relationships that we don't just easily cast them aside. It's being people who have a value of being committed to each other. People who've been impacted by the glorious gospel. And so we do the hard work to have unity together. Well, last week we talked about the big picture of how we handle it. This week I want to deal with some practical aspects. In fact, six practical aspects to help us when we're dealing with conflict. So let's jump right in. Here's number one. Is that many of us need to be less touchy and better extenders of grace. See, conflict is going to happen But when it does, it's up to me whether I'll take offense at it or not. I have a choice. But here's what the problem is. See, some action happens between us and someone else. And here's what we do. We immediately attach judgments to the other person's actions. Why they did what they did or why they didn't do what they didn't do, or what their motives were, or what they were thinking when they did that, or the level of their reasoning behind it. You know, they did that on purpose so that this would happen. We, we attach these judgments to what they did. But the truth is, the vast majority of the time, we have no idea why they did what they did. We're just assuming these judgments. Now, When we mess up, 
we're very good at letting ourselves off the hook, aren't we? We're very good at extending grace to ourselves. You know why? Because we know what our motives are. You know, I didn't mean anything by that. There wasn't any evil intent on my part. I didn't do that to hurt them. See, we judge ourselves by our motives, but when it comes to other people, we attach these judgments to them, to it. We assume things that may or may not be true about the other person. A few years ago, I had an incident where a lady um, went to the, to the senior pastor and she said, you know, Jay doesn't like me. And he said, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? She said, well, on Sundays, he walks right past me and he never speaks. He doesn't like me. So my senior pastor came to me and says, hey, do you not like so-and-so? I said, what are you talking about? I said, well, she says you walk right past her on Sundays and you never speak to her. Now, here's what she didn't know. She didn't know that on Sunday, she came to church. But on Sunday, I came to work. You know, that I had a list of 33 things that I needed to accomplish in that three and a half hours that I was there. That I had a list of 15 people I was trying to make contact with or talk to about something. She also didn't know that I'm so task-oriented that I have to make myself talk to people. (laughs) See, I I wasn't, it's not, I, I didn't dislike her. I didn't even notice her. (laughs) I was just going about doing the things I I had to do. I was trying to connect with people when I had the chance to connect with people. In fact, on Sunday mornings, I had to make myself power down so I can really authentically worship and authentically hear from God during part of it. See, But see, she assumed these things about me. Now, I do think it's interesting that apparently she wasn't speaking to me either when we... So I, I don't know what all that's about, but but see, we got to stop doing that. We got to stop putting that stuff. In. Let me let me just give you three little ways that will help us in this area. The first is this: give people the benefit of the doubt as much as you can. You know, let them off the hook as much as you can. You know, maybe you start to feel that initial sense of being offended or being hurt, but but you think you know they probably didn't mean anything by that. Give them the benefit of the doubt as much as you can. Secondly, be quick to extend grace rather than judgment. You know, maybe this is the worst day they've ever had since the creation of the world. You know, maybe they're just having a bad day. or You know, give them grace instead of judgment. Instead of judging what you think their motives might be. And then thirdly, assume the best rather than the worst about people. I mean, why do, we, why do we assume the worst about people? You know, when this happened, they did this because, and they're out to get me. In fact, all of those people hate me. And, that, you know, and we start down this trail of assuming, why do we do that? As much as we can, let's start trying to assume the best about that person instead of the worst. Here's the second one. This kind of goes along with that is this, that realize that you can feel offended without having to take up an offense. Just because you feel offended doesn't mean that you have to be offended. Now, for some of us, here's what our problem is. 
We're constantly offended because we put unfair expectations on other people. We expect the people in our small group to overcome our insecurities. You know, that they always have to do everything just right. And so because I'm insecure, they have to do all that. See, we put that expectation, that unfair expectation on them. We expect our spouse to have to always come through for us. See, what we do is we're asking human relationships to do what only God can do. We expect everybody else to treat us, some of us, like we're the most important person in the room. Listen to me. You might be the star of the movie that's playing in your head. (laughs) But chances are you don't have the leading role in the movie that's playing in everybody else's head. See, the fact that you feel offended doesn't mean that you have to take up an offense over it. See, sometimes you can just choose to think the best of the other person and just extend grace instead of judgment. Sometimes you can just realize that your expectations toward them are misguided and you can just shrug it off. You don't have to be offended just because you feel offended. Extend grace as much as you can. Here's a third thing. Is that you need to take responsibility... For your part in the offense. Well, let me unpack that a little bit. There's three different aspects about this. Let's kind of walk through this. About you taking the responsibility for your part. Here's here's the first. Is do the hard part of examining your own actions. See, maybe your actions in this offense were out of line. Maybe your actions weren't loving towards them. See, love for the other person will always cause you to not want to offend them needlessly. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10. He says, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. And even as I try to please everybody in every way, For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many. You know, maybe it's not what you said, but it's how you said it. See, that's important because sometimes I hear people say, well, it's just the truth. Well, maybe it is true. But maybe the way you unpacked that truth wasn't the best way. See, words are powerful things, aren't they? The person who said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. They were a liar. Words do hurt. Words are powerful. Proverbs chapter 15 says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Maybe it's how you said what you said. Your actions were out of line. 
by what you said, how you said it, even if it's true. Maybe the problem in this offense is you. Ever think about that? Maybe you're acting like a jerk. Maybe you didn't get the position because you aren't as talented and qualified in other people's minds as you are in your own. Maybe your expectations are unfair. Maybe you're just being stubborn. Or maybe you're acting like a big baby. Or maybe you're just a pain in the rear most of the time. I know some people like that, don't you? If you don't, then... You know, maybe you're just being a drama queen over this. You know, if you always seem to be in conflict... Maybe it's you. Maybe you're a drama queen. See, be courageous enough to look at your own actions, to take responsibility for your own actions in this offense. But not only that, you need to do the hard work of examining your own heart. We talked a little bit about this last week, but in the... In the offense to, to really ask yourself, what's, what's going on inside of me that's causing this to be so big? That's causing me to feel so strongly about this? What, what is it that's happening in my heart that's causing this to be such an issue for me? You know, in the book of Genesis, there was a conflict. Cain and Abel brought their offerings. God accepted Abel's, but not Cain's. And Cain had an emotional reaction to that. Look with me, Genesis chapter 4. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering He didn't look with favor. And so Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. Now, verse 6, look at God's interaction with Cain after this. He doesn't tell him that he shouldn't be angry. Doesn't tell him that. He asks him to look inside about why he's so angry. Look at what it says in verse 6. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? See, he asked Cain, Cain, what's going on in you? Look inside. Look in your heart. Why is this such an issue for you? Examine your heart. Psalm 4, 4 says this, In your anger do not sin. When you're on your bed, circle these next three words, search your hearts and be silent. Look inside. Do the hard work of examining your own heart in the midst of this. See, examine your actions. Examine your heart. But also, here's a third part in us taking responsibility. Is to make the difficult choice to forgive. Now listen to me. It's important you get this. Forgiveness isn't about 
what the other person did or didn't do. Forgiveness isn't about the fact that they deserve it. Forgiveness isn't about the fact that they're sorry. Forgiveness isn't about the other person's actions. Forgiveness is about your choice, my choice, to take the responsibility to forgive them. It's about our choice to surrender and submit to God's control, even in the midst of injustices, even in the midst of the fact that what they did wasn't fair. Forgiveness is about your choice, my choice, to let God be God even when I don't agree with what he's doing. Even if I don't understand, I make that choice. It's about my choice to let God be judge rather than demanding I get what I want. I get the justice I think that's deserved. I yield it over to God and let him be judged. It's it's my choice, not what the other person did or didn't do. It's about what I'm choosing to do. This week we ran across, I think, a very powerful clip that illustrates this so well. And so let's watch it together. It's pretty powerful stuff, huh? I don't know if you caught that last part, but it was an actual journal entry by Mary uh, Reed the day that she lost her life in the Virginia Tech shootings. She made the choice to forgive. And just like it said in the clip, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it expands the future. It's what I choose to do. So you do the hard work of introspection. You look at your actions and look at them accurately. You look at your heart. You determine to forgive. You be authentic and real with God, with your small group, with your accountability partner, maybe with a counselor. And you respond to what God points out for you to do. You take responsibility for your part in the offense. Well, number four, you be careful not to pick up someone else's offense. Man, this happens in churches all the time. We insert ourselves into situations that we really don't need to be part of. And see, the problem is that very rarely do we know the whole story. Do we know both sides? You know why that's the case? Because it's not our situation. We shouldn't know the whole story. But we insert ourselves into it. We pick up the offense for someone else. And we have to learn to be able to listen when that's the right thing to do and to show care 
to be able to give them godly input, to be able to pray with them, and then to be able to stay uninvolved. (laughs) That's easier said than done, isn't it? See, because, see, we get all emotionally attached to it. Someone that we care about has been hurt, and so we get ourselves all fixed into it. But it's not our situation. We need to be able to not pick up somebody else's offense. Number five, there's going to be times when you just can't get to an okay place and you'll just end up partying. You need to accept that reality. Sometimes you just can't get there. Sometimes there's just too many fires. Maybe the other person won't let you get there. Maybe there's just too much hurt, too much wounding. You need to, like we talked about last week, make sure you've done all that you can on your part. Romans twelve eighteen. as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You need to make sure you've done all you can do. But if you do end up parting, you do it with grace. You handle it with grace. I think there's a real good biblical example of this. And in the book of Genesis, Abraham leaves and Lot goes with him. And God blesses them so much so that they have all this, all this cattle, all these herds, which you know was what their wealth was translated into in that era. And uh, Abraham and Lot, they had all this stuff and all these flocks and all these people there. And there was conflict going on between their herdsmen and all of this so forth. And so they decided that they needed to part. Pick up with me in the story, Genesis 13. I know it starts in verse 5, but start with me at verse 8. It says, So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? So let's part company. And if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And it says, Lot looked up and he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor, because this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and he set out towards the east and the two men parted company. Let me tell you, we can learn some things from Abraham's example here. I think one of the things that we can learn is to be humble. I mean, it was Lot who came along with Abraham. If anybody had the right to choose, it was Abraham, wasn't it? But he says to Lot, you pick. He, take, he took the humble route. And Lot took the better land. See, let God, here's another lesson we can learn, let God look out for your interests. See, I, I think that's important because a lot of times people are in conflict. They say, yeah, but I'm getting the short end of the stick. That's not fair. Listen, let God take care of that. God is very good at growing sticks. Let him look out for you. That's what Abraham did. And then part with grace. One more. Number six. Sometimes your conflict is with a church. So what do you do then? Well, I think most of the things we've talked about still applies. Make sure 
You've done all that you can on your part. Be humble. Let God look out for your interests. You know, handle it with grace. And you need to know, it's okay to go to a different church. You're allowed. It's okay. But if you choose to do so, do it with grace. But I think there's some things you should do before you go. I think you should diagnose what type of conflict are you having because there's different kinds of conflicts that you have with a church. So let me talk through a few of these. One is, what do you do when it's doctrinal or biblical issues? If your conflict is over biblical issues. Well, we've got an example in Scripture, Acts chapter 15. There was conflict going on because all of these non-Jews were getting saved. And there were people who said, no, they need to be circumcised. And then there were other people who were saying, no, we're under grace now because the cross has happened and they don't need to do that. And so there was all this conflict. It was, they were having conflict over biblical issues. So listen to what they did, Acts chapter 15. It says, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them, conflict over biblical issues. And so Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. What do you do when you're having conflict over biblical issues? Here's what you do. You take it to the elders. You take it to the church leaders. And you clearly express what the issues are. And then either you line up under their decisions, under their authority, or you choose to leave. Now, in Acts chapter 15, they chose to line up under the decision of the leaders, of the elders. Now, I don't have a biblical example of what do you do a time when you leave, but I think we've got a really good example from church history in Martin Luther. Martin Luther sought resolution over unbiblical practices that were going on in the church. In fact, he made a list of 95 unbiblical things that the church was doing and because he had because they wouldn't listen to him he took them and he nailed them to the door in Wittenberg now that doesn't mean if you've got biblical issues you tape them to the doors around new life but this this was over biblical issues See, the church had fallen into all sorts of error. They were, they were building these cathedrals which cost a lot of money. So they started selling pardons to people that said, you know what, if you'll give enough money, we'll give you a pardon that you can just keep on sinning in these areas. I'll be okay because you're going to give enough money to help us build these cathedrals. They were telling the people that, you know, your loved ones are dying, and, and I know you're in poverty, I know you can't afford it, but you know they're not going to be able to be with God until you give money to help us build these cathedrals. So they were fleecing and robbing the people. They were insisting on having the services in a language that the people didn't speak and making the scriptures only available in languages that the people didn't read so that they could maintain this control over them. And Martin Luther came along and he thought, we need to get online with God in these areas. And he sought resolution. 
He saw it. We need to dialogue. We need to, to have communication over this. And when he finally saw that it wasn't going to happen, he chose to leave. He and his followers left. His followers were called protesting religionists. Later, that was shortened to the term Protestants. So that's how you handle it. Now, you need to note, not all doctrinal, biblical disagreements are equal. I mean, come on. If you can only be involved in church with people who you agree with on every single issue, then we'd all have to have our own church, wouldn't we? I mean, really. You heard the story about the guy, found him on a deserted island. He'd been there 10 years. They rescued him. And they noticed there were three huts there. So they said to him, well, what's those three huts about? He says, well, that one on the left, that's my home. And they said, well, what's that one in the middle? He says, oh, that's, that's my church. They said, well, what's that one on the far right? He says, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> I mean, man, we can have conflict even when there's nobody there to have it with, right? See, there's dollar issues and 50-cent issues and quarter issues and dime issues and nickel issues and penny issues, and you have to decide what are the issues that are large enough to have to part over. And there are some. And then you have to determine what are the issues that we're just going to agree that we disagree over. That if God wanted it to be clear on this, he could have been. God's not in heaven going, I wish that had just made that a little clearer. And determine that we can come to a place sometimes of being able to just disagree over some of these issues. But let's be honest. Most of the reason that we leave churches aren't over biblical issues. Usually, when people leave churches, it's either over matters of preferences, things they like or don't like, or they're over conflicts that they have with an individual in the church, maybe a pastor or a church leader. Now, let me say again, it's okay to choose to go to a different church over preferences and likes. You have permission to do that. We all do. It's okay. But if we do that, let's call it that. Let's not turn it into right and wrong issues. Let's not go out and gather a bunch of people who will agree with us so that we can get ourselves all hot and lathered over the fact of how the church is wrong for not doing this when it really is just a preference issue. When it's really just a matter of what we like or don't like, doing it ways that we prefer or don't prefer. You know, a while back I drove past this church and they were advertising out front country and western worship services and i thought to myself could i be in a church that has country and western worship now i'd like to think that i understand that worship is about god it's not about me that it's about giving him glory not me and liking it necessarily and that I'd be able to do it. But would I like it in that church? No, I wouldn't. If I get to heaven and Johnny Cash is the you know main worship leader, <laughs> we'll find out if I really love Jesus as much as I claim to, right? 
See, it's okay to have different preferences. It's okay to have different likes. It's okay to even choose. You don't have to. See, sometimes you can determine, you know what, I can get past that. But sometimes you can just say, you know what, I'm going to choose to go somewhere else over a preference. What do you do when, when it's an individual in the church? Well, here, and I think this is important. I think the first thing you need to do is realize you don't have a problem with the church. You have a problem with a person. And then I think you need to handle it biblically. Everything we talked about last week. You need to go to them. You need to go directly to them, not talk to other people. Go directly to them. And seek to find a place that you both can be okay with. Maybe you might decide you can't reach that place. And if you do, you part with grace. So just to summarize, if your conflict is over biblical issues, you go to the elders, you go to the church leaders. If your conflict is over preferences, over likes, you evaluate. You pray about it. You might determine to go to another church. You don't have to, but you might determine that. And then if your conflict is with the church leader, you go to them directly. You know, we have a pretty high value for worship around here. Entering into the presence of God, of ascribing glory to Him, of giving Him the praise that He deserves. But did you know, according to the Word of God, there's something that's even more important to God than worship? Look at that last couple of verses. Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24. This is Jesus talking here. And Jesus says this, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, you're right in the middle of worshiping God. You're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. And first go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come. And offer your gift. Jesus says if you're right in the thick of worshiping God. And you remember there's an offense. Between you and someone else. Man even more important than worshiping God in that moment. Is that you do what it means to work that out with that brother or that sister. So you get the idea that God is pretty serious. About resolving conflict isn't he? Well, let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, I would just ask that you'll just bring this home for each of us right now. Lord, there's probably some of us here that that we're in the midst of stuff. And I just pray that you'll give us the the wisdom and the courage to do what you would have us do. To not ignore it, to not talk ourselves out of it. To not handle it out of our own pride, our own arrogance. To not try to prove who's right. 
but Lord, to take the steps to reach unity, to at least reach a place that we can both live with, agree to disagree about, but reach that place together so that that there isn't a, a, a barrier between us. And Lord, if we can't reach that place, to be able to reach a place of being able to bless each other and to part with grace. Lord, for those of us that are in the middle of that, Lord, help us to do it and to do it your way. Lord, there's others of us who... We're not in the middle of any of this right now, but because we live in a fallen world, we're going to have conflict. God, help us to be people who are committed to doing things your way. Sold out, surrendered. Help us, Lord, to to have this stuff reach into our spirit in such a way so that when that conflict does erupt, we, we pull on the truths of your word not the truths of the television or the truths of the office or the truths of whatever else Father there's some of us right now who we just need a real breakthrough because we're we're fighting we're resisting Maybe it's the big battle for just giving our heart and bowing our knee to you as the Lord and Savior of our life. Maybe it's getting past our pride or our hurt to a place of being able to forgive. Lord, you know, Spirit, you know what exactly each of our situations are. And I pray, God, that you will break through into our lives and win that battle. And give us the courage to take the steps to to walk out that obedience with you, Lord. And I pray it in your name and for your glory.